Hello and welcome to a football podcast with myself, Christian Jack and Stephen Caldwell. Today we chat about Manchester City's incredible run to a Premier League title, Liverpool's sensational season. We have a special surprise for you as we go down our top 50 Premier League players of the season as we recap the season that was. We talk about the greatest week of Champions League football of all time, or was it? Some Toronto FC chat and of course, Vancouver Whitecaps. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there listening today. We will get Stephen Caldwell on the phone in a few minutes after he spent the day at Anfield. Uh, but Shawnee and I didn't get to spend the day here in Anfield. Shawnee, first of all, did you do your second leg? We spoke about this last week. You got battered 5-1. Have you played the second leg? No, actually, we have oh, a couple weeks played. off because okay. TFC, when TFC play, it's like we take the week off and then all the right. women's team play next week. So I, oh, I, I got wow. time to rest and relax. There you go. So. You guys know your priorities. There you go. <laughs> but TFC didn't necessarily have a great day Saturday. It was a rough one. Yeah. It was... Uh, it was Two sides that I don't think neither played their best soccer. Right. Yes. I had the fortune to call the game with Luke and I thought that it was a game where one team certainly had an identity and the other one lacked an identity a little bit, waiting for individuals to take over. So that was uh, an unfortunate performance by Toronto FC and the Whitecaps did not necessarily have an unfortunate one. They got through it. They won the game uh, 1-0 in the end. A good defensive resp- uh, performance by them again. And yeah. they're, they're figuring out things, what, how to do without the ball. But today was all about the final day in the Premier League. Ten games at the same time. Manchester City win the Premier League with 98 points. Liverpool second on 97. Liverpool 97 points, one loss, 30 victories. All of those are obviously highs for them. And obviously also think about this. Two teams in Premier League history, Manchester City of this season and Manchester City of last season, uh, were the only ones to get more points than Liverpool's 97. That's absolutely remarkable. And I think, surely, Liverpool, in the end, wanted to win that trophy, but we're going to get to Champions League in a minute. The fact that they've got that one game to come, I think, helped, made it a little bit easier to stomach the fact that they've still, they didn't end up completely trophyless so far. Oh, completely. It was, it was something at the end of the game where you watch them walk around the stadium. It didn't seem like they were disappointed, but it didn't seem like heart-wrenching because I think they mm. knew all along that it was going to be very tough to do, and they also have a big game coming up. Yeah, and I think, as we said before, this is the beginning of a journey for them. Uh, Jurgen Klopp said after the game, this is just a step. This is just a step. And, um, you know, sometimes in sports, you got to learn how to lose, uh, they say, and, and before you learn how to win. I don't think necessarily they needed how to lose. They just didn't. They just came up against arguably the greatest team in English football history. Uh, they are in the debate. 198 points. Manchester City conceded a goal against Brighton today, but in the end, they were able to put away the game. Uh, they won by four goals to one. First time, by the way, they've won a Premier League, a Premier League game all season while they've been trailing. I've been doing some notes this week about teams who are trailing. Manchester City, in the end, um, were the best team um, of all time when it comes to how many minutes spent trailing in a Premier League season and the team before that was the Man City of last season so that just goes to show that it's just uh, the amount of success they had when they were winning games this season was unprecedented a special team a special team and a, a, and a special Premier League trophy as well okay time to get Mr Caldwell on the phone to get his thoughts from England and talk all things Man City Brighton and Liverpool Wolves <laughs> Okay, we'll head to the northwest of England now and what a race we had. And Stevie, before we get to the final developments at Anfield and in, and in Brighton, um, how was your experience at the Liverpool game today? It was fabulous, KJ. It was just a, an absolutely terrific day. It was, um, you know, beautiful May Day in, in, in uh, the northwest of England. And it's one of the end of season games where the sun's shining and the pitch looks magnificent. And everyone was excited and prepared for 
what was going to be a you know a special day, regardless of what happened, uh, you know, a few miles away down in Brighton, and uh, the fans came to celebrate. There was some moments of real electricity and energy within the stadium when obviously Brighton scored through Glenn Murray, and you felt like the the um, it was going to be on. Liverpool were going to be listening to it that day. But fortunately for the fans in Anfield, it, it didn't last too long. No, it didn't last too long, but I get the feeling from doing the broadcast here that there was never really a lot of sorrow there. Was that fair? Yeah, it was fair. I actually thought, without getting too technical with that question, but that Liverpool were a bit flat today, understandable after what happened against Barcelona during the week. It was a bit of a, bit of a wall. I didn't think they played their best. So, you know, there was moments where the fans really... Um, got together and, and sang a song and, and had a moment but really the performance was was pretty average for Liverpool so there was, there was definitely a lot within the game um, they're just a side that can do everything though that, that really came to my mind today watching them play live KJ they just when when they are uh, lacking their, their usual cohesion and attack they just bunk it in and they get into a really good shape and, and they look very difficult to break down so it was a, a, a bit of that kind of day I think they understood that they weren't at their best and it was just important that they, that they made sure they could see the goal. They went a little bit tighter, of course, to go to the four four two when Milner came on the field. And once that happened, there was, there was less joy for Wolves on the, on the counter-attack. And near the end of the game, there seemed to be a lot of singing about European Cups and heading towards the Madrid, obviously the game in Madrid on, on June 1st. Did you get the feeling afterwards when you left the stadium that it was something that they, obviously the attention turns towards them, but something that that, that certainly helped um, stomach the today, the, the fact that they got so close, but they now have that massive carrot dangling over, dangling over them for the motivation? Yeah, I think today there was a real feeling of, of pride in the way that they had performed for the entire season. Uh, disappointment, of course, not just about not lifting the trophy, but uh, a little bit of, I don't know, dread the word, but, you know, the, the enormous task of trying to topple this Manchester City side. They've had a season where they got 97 points and played so many great games. Uh, the one or two games, as the people were mentioning a lot, was obviously the Manchester City games where they only took one point from a possible six and that in the end was, was the key differentiator between the sides. So I think, you know, there was there was pride, there was uh there was definite um, uh happiness in how the season had went, but the realisation that it's gonna take something extremely special to topple this Manchester City side. There there are two wonderful teams but City just have that little bit of an edge and Liverpool are gonna to have to go in there a summer with regards to the domestic campaign and, and find someone that can just turn that tide and, and shift the uh, the weight in their favour. Stevie, you mentioned City, 198 points over the last two seasons. They finished the season with 18 wins out of 19 to keep uh, to catch up Liverpool, narrow that gap to, to, to in the end, just one point and, and beat them by that one point. They got four goals at Brighton today. I know you didn't see that, but I we were doing the post-game coverage, Luke and I, and we were talking again about those players on the field lifting the trophy. They were light young boys in the exuberance. And I, and I know I always like to chat with you about that. And we haven't done it on this podcast, but just that enthusiasm from players like yourself uh, when you win things like that it just goes to show you what it means doesn't it yeah it's the effort that, that's put into it isn't it and, and this year with the, the two guys challenging each other I think the, the amount of energy that was expended was, was greater than normal and uh, you, you see them go up and it's an amazing moment these guys are 
at the top of the game. Uh, act like little kids, act like teenagers again, because <laughs> they just they like you, they let their hair down a little bit at that moment, and then uh, before you know it, it's back to professionalism and, and back on track. I uh, I got the chance to see most of that stuff after the game, KJ, when I was in the uh, in the media suite at Anfield, and um, I was particularly happy to see Pep Guardiola. I thought. For a man who's normally so tense and, and, and structured, and you can see the cogs in his brain just ticking constantly on that touchline, to, to see him uh, open up a little bit and celebrate with his staff, with his players, uh, with everyone connected with the football club, was special for me because as good as Klopp and and, um, and Pochettino and Valverde, uh, we could go on and on, Zidane, as good as these guys are. He is still the master, isn't he? He is the man, and um, he deserved that moment because it's, it's the fine details that he brings to that team, the quality of players that he's brought in, the quality of players that he's made better that just make them so supreme at the moment. And uh, the, 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 the broadcast I was watching Sky Sports were mentioning that the key for Manchester City is how can they convince this guy to stay for five, ten years? They, they need this man at the helm to create a really truly, truly consistent performer at European level in, in the domestic league. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about that on TSN and while I've got you on, I'd like your opinion. Luke said to me today um, that there was a, some articles in the English media where both these teams would have liked to have swapped with each other. Liverpool would have liked to have had the chance to win the Premier League today and City would like the chance to go and win the European Cup. And I said, I disagreed with it because I just felt that, of course, Liverpool uh, would love to win the Premier League, but I don't think Manchester City would swap places with anybody right now. How important it was for them, obviously, not only to win a fourth title in eight years, but to go back to back. Special teams go back to back, don't they? In the first time, the Premier League has been de- you know defended in 10 years. Every other European league during that span has been defended multiple times um, so what did you think about that did you think City today it was important wasn't it for them to go out there and be a true special team and defend that crown yeah absolutely your bread and butter is always the domestic league KJ that is always the, the yardstick start every season that's the consistency you know to, to, to be a true giant within your game within English football you win the domestic league and to do that back to back is really special in a time where, where you know, you're know you playing against a, a, another team who got 97 points. So it shows you what it meant to them to keep going, to keep on that drive. They could have rested players at different times and, and, and focused on the Champions League, which is a, a little bit more of a uh, balls are thrown up in the air and we'll see how they land. When it gets to the quarterfinals and, and everybody's of a certain standard, it's, it's you know, they drop their ball here or there, an offside decision, <laughs> obviously, here or there. And, and things like that that just mean you're, you're winners and losers so I think City were really focused on the league and these guys are focused on everything they want to win everything they have that appetite and that need to just be at the top of the game and winning everything so to say they would rather one or the other is just, is just ridiculous <laughs> these guys go every game they want to win everything all the talk after the game was about FA Cup they want a domestic treble never been done Winston Company's uh, was, was adamant that the FA Cup's at the forefront of his mind and they'll celebrate tonight a little bit and then it'll be right back to business and and for them, uh, you know, hopefully a victory in the FA Cup against Watford in the next time. 
couple more questions, mate, before we let you go. We've worked on this season all, all, all season long for TSN and, of course, on this podcast. It's been a special season and obviously learned so much watching these games with you. But what did you think about this season? Obviously, people make the conclusion with four teams in the European finals now that it's gone to a different level. Um, but obviously, I said today on TSN, Premier League has the brains, but it now it has the money, but now it has the brains as well, doesn't it, with these high-level coaches making such a difference at the Premier League level? Yeah, well, I mean, we are, our opinions are never far apart. Hardly we spent so much time together. I, ironically, I was on the phone to uh, our senior producer, producer sorry, Owen, earlier, and I said that exact thing, and he said, you know, KJ just said that a few hours ago on, on air, and uh, <laughs> we're on the same page, mate. We are. It's just... It's just an amazing time for the Premier League. It's only going to get stronger. You've got the, two of the best teams in Europe, in my opinion. Liverpool and City just had a record season. Yeah, it's difficult for the Chelsea and the Arsenal's, Manchester United and, and Tottenham to stay close with them. But they're going to have to. They're going to have to spend the money. They're going to have to find a way, a style of football that's going to combat these two guys. So they're going to get dragged up with that. And then... I look at the, the Everton's, the, the Wolves, the Wolves are terrific today. I was so impressed with the, the set-up of Wolves, the, the quality of the players, Ruben Neves was outstanding in the midfield, reads the game well, passes it well, Connor Cody to me is a, an England centre-half of the future. So you've got that mid-level team who are striving to try and break into the top six on a consistent basis and the money, as we know, just keeps getting generated. So... It's never going to change. It's, uh, it's here to stay and I, I think it's going to be a, a real golden era for the Premier League because uh, it's the best in the world now. It's over to La Liga, in my opinion, and it's going to get better and better. Last one for you, pal. We know you went over there to re- reunite with the with the with the players from 10 years ago to celebrate the uh, the playoff victory with Burnley. How did it go? How was the night? Yeah, it was fantastic. Thanks for asking. It was uh, a special night. We... We had about maybe 10 of the guys that managed to get there. And, you know, we had Graham Alexander was, was playing at Wembley for, for Salford, which was a, a, you know, a great victory for him and, and for his football club. They're going to be in, in league football next season. Uh, Robbie Blake has had a commitment. So there was a few, few guys, Chris Eagles, could make it that they weren't there, disappointingly. But the ones that were, we had a terrific time and we were, we were really celebrated by, you know, a packed, uh, tough mill suite. Everyone was there to to go through it. We had a look through the season, a few interviews, and just reminding ourselves kind of what it took to, to win that year and, and the the, uh, the difficulties we faced as a club and, and what it means to everyone associated with that club. You know, Wade Elliott, a very good friend of mine, played on it for Burnley and Birmingham. Um, he was uh, was up on the stage, and uh, Paul Fletcher, who was also a fantastic player for Burnley, was our chief executive that year, and he was interviewing him. And he, he basically said, you know, you've scored the, the greatest goal in, in Burnley history. And the magnitude of that, a club like Burnley, who have had so much success through way, way over 100 years, probably getting towards 150 years of football club, he scored the most important goal. That team were part of one of the, the most important moments, games and, and seasons in that club's history. And we're all very proud, very privileged and, and uh, great mates, we we had fun. That was that was what came out of the night, Casey. We had fun. Yeah, we uh we played hard and we worked hard and we were prepared, but we had fun along the way. And uh, it was brilliant to share another night with them. And unfortunately, he wasn't on the field this time, but it was it was a, a great evening. And 
thanks to everybody for putting it on. No, I'm glad you were there. Luke and I were joking during the TFC broadcast about you. We were looking for Dr. Colwell at one point. There was a key inj- <laughs> there was a key injury on the field, and uh, we're like, we don't want to call him at this point. It was like nearly 11 o'clock. We're like, he's going to be oh, yeah. he's going to be a few drinks at that point. He won't even be able to give any kind of good conclusion on any injuries at that point. So uh, the only conclusion I could have gave at that point, KG, was I was going to have a sore head in the morning. That's good. I, it was on my <laughs> well, mate, that's the best way to do it. I'm glad you were there. Thanks for joining us. Safe travels back, and we'll see you on. Uh, we'll see you at BMO Field Wednesday night for DC. Thanks, KJ. See you soon, guys. Thanks, Stevie, for joining us all the way from Liverpool. What an incredible season for all of us, and I really hope that this is just the start for a new incredible era of football. And now it's what you've all been waiting for, the top 50. Earlier this week, Stevie and I broke down the top 50 performers from the Premier League this season. So sit back and enjoy. All right, now for a special segment as we look back on the Premier League, the only way that we want to, and that is our top 50 players. And this has been a grind for you, a grind for absolute you. Absolute grind for it's me. It's been an absolute grind for Stevie. No, it was fine. It was fun. It was just difficult placing them. But... Very difficult placing them. But this is why we set the task of both of us to do that. So what we did was we asked each other for our, each other's top 50 list, and then we basically took the numbers and combined them. So it was easy. Basically, the lower the number, the better you are so if for example we had somebody who was third and somebody who was eighth you get a com- combination of 11 points if you're not in the 50 list you get to be number 51 so that's how you added it up and we had 38 names the same that's pretty impressive. Uh, the 50 so yep. in the end it came down to only 62 names so let's go through them we're going to break these down in tens and then we're going to explain there's a few of these where certainly early on in the show here where the one player has made it just based on only one of us. So that's where we really stand up to go for it. So here are the top 50 starting at number 50. Number 50 is Wolverhampton midfielder, Ruben Neves. Nice. Yeah. Number 49, David Brooks from Bournemouth. Number 48, Jorginho from Chelsea. 47, Aaron Wan-Bissaka from Crystal Palace. Number 46, Lucas Fabianski, goalkeeper from West Ham. 45, Idrissa Ganagay, a midfielder from Everton. 44, Ben Chilwell, Leicester City left back. 43, Will Hughes, the Watford midfielder. 42, Declan Rice, West Ham midfielder. And 41, Musa Sissoko from Tottenham. So some good names there. Anyone that you want to talk about right away before we get into who's, why, why they're there? Or do you want me to just go in there right away? Go in there. Go in right in. All right. So Ruben Neves, we both had, yeah. but we had him both very late. So he gets in just. Same for David Brooks as well. So we both had him, actually both had him at 49. Right. Uh, and he ended up being 49. Jorginho is the first on the list with only um, one of us. And that was you. Yeah. And he had a decent season, but obviously yeah. a little bit of a, not necessarily the breakup many had hoped. I just think he was a player that everyone started to attack but when you look at the season and, and, and Chelsea getting in the Champions League mm. he played every game didn't he or pretty much every game he was very consistent yeah he had some difficult moments as most of these players had on their list even yes. you know so I just think in the early start of the season was terrific he looked amazing for the first 68 games at least and I, I just think that, that there's a lot of things to like about his game and I think he'll probably have a better season next 
I agree with that. Hopefully he does and, and Chelsea will need him to as well as they go into another campaign in the Champions League. Uh, 40, next couple, actually next three were mine only. Aaron Wan-Bissaka, one of the best right backs in the Premier League. I think he was voted Crystal Palace player of the season and I think it'll be very difficult to keep hold of him. He's a very good young player and uh, by the way, we talked last week on the podcast about Manchester United buying players. Yeah. Um, he'd be a good He's, he's <clears> perfect, isn't he? He's them. a fantastic player. He really is. Yeah. Uh, you could argue he should have been there. Yeah. They're, I mean, these numbers here are difficult, aren't they? Because yeah, it's sort the, of preference. The preference, and, yeah, at the end of the day. But he had a wonderful season. Yeah, I also had Lucas Fabianski on the list. Um, I think he's been one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League this season. Without him, West Ham would have been maybe in even a relegation battle. He's been that good, saved almost everything that's come his way. Yeah. Um, Idris Gay was mine um, for Everton. I think that they have a real good base to end the season. They've done brilliantly. And, and if they can keep hold of it, a big if that's, you know, PSG have been sniffing around him for some time. But yeah. he, he is a really good player in his, particularly in his, his interceptions and the way he reads the game. Uh, the next two are yours. So um, Ben Chilwell and Will Hughes, 40, number 44 and 43. I mean, but yeah. Ch- Chilwell, we talked about last week, the, the Monday night, uh, he was tremendous against City. Yeah, absolutely tremendous and, and consistent all year. And I think he's on the verge of a big move, much like Wan-Bissaka and uh, a lot to like about his game. He was, he was, Amazing at the Etihad, he really was. His composure on the ball, loves to get forward, but you know, also defends. He he has to be on it for me, and I think Will Hughes has been really good. He's, he's one of the guys who um, is not the most flamboyant, but he, he plays off a wide area. He comes into central areas, picks up nice little positions, and I think when you look at Watford and the success that they've had this season, I looked at them as a team and I thought, who's been one of their, or a few of their standout guys? And Will Hughes, for me, has been one of them. Yeah, I had Capu and uh, Decore really close to this as well. By the way, I think Decore was actually 51st because yeah, I had him late I had and him. so did you. Yeah. But um, Declan Rice, talk about player I couldn't just get on the list, but has been magnificent. You had Declan Rice yeah. quite high, I think, on your list. Um, if you want to check that while I do this, and I had yeah. and I had Musa Sissoko. So the last two came down. That I just thought Sissoko just grew so much this year. Another example of a player under Pochettino who improved dramatically, and um, in some ways, often just basically was the only one in the midfield who could actually be a midfielder and, yeah. run, and ran the show. Um, a bit of a familiar theme amongst these names, but Declan Rice, uh, another potential Man high player or somewhere else he's going to maybe yeah. go next season yeah a brilliant player a, a guy who's again been very consistent for West Ham he's, he's improved as the season went on I, I think he'll probably become a, a world class centre half in my opinion maybe in a back three mm. um, but he's playing midfield just now and I don't think it'll do his career any harm because he's he's comfortable in that area he's learning uh, you know to, to look over the shoulder and what it takes to play in that area and it'll stand him in good stead that's it for the for the first 10. Okay, going on to the next 10, and I believe out of the next 10, we have uh, four uh, mutual ones okay. and then six other ones. Uh, 40th, Granite Xhaka, Arsenal midfielder. 39th, Wilfred Ndidi from Leicester City. 38th, Callum Wilson from Bournemouth, who has obviously had a great relationship this year with another player on this list coming up soon. 37th, Andre Gomez from Everton. 36th, Felipe Anderson from West Ham. 35th, Marcus Rash. Ashford, Manchester United. 34, Crystal Palace midfielder Luka Milivojevic. 33rd, Gilfie Sigurdsson from Everton. Number 32, João Moutinho. And 31, Ryan Fraser 
I guess it kind of works that Fraser and Wilson are on the same <laughs> list because, to be honest, they've connected, they've a, lot. connected a lot. Most uh, goals connected since Shearer Sutton. It's been absolutely remarkable that the way they've, they, they've gone about it. Uh, Granite Xhaka was a name I was yeah. surprised to see on your list. Um, Xhaka's in the court defending. <laughs> <laughs> I know you detest Xhaka. I don't detest Xhaka. Yes, you do as a football player. No, I think that... Um, I think he's been good for Arsenal. I really do. I think he adds a bit of steel to midfield. And I think he's another one of the guys that uh, they get a lot of abuse, but I think mm. they're pretty consistent. Right. He does silly things. I know that. But I think, you know, the the, the, the way that he's, he's he's been in that midfield, he's, he's added a real steel to the area. I think he has to be mentioned. I think when you look at Arsenal and their defensive woes. I wonder where they would be without somebody like him. So for yes. me, he had to be there. I had Wilfred Ndidi 33rd on the list. He didn't quite make your list. I no. think he's been one of the best central midfielders in the Premier League. I think he's Very played almost player. every game uh, this year for Leicester. And another player that I think if you're a top club, you can look at as being that. Callum Wilson, a player I know we both like. Yeah. What, what a player he's, he's been this season. And, and you know, there's those rumours all the way through into January about Chelsea and £50 million. But all this guy does is keep scoring and as we've yeah. learned so many times, if you're English and you can perform at a high level in the Premier League, there's going to be a, a high wage on you. Yeah, he could be like a Vardy, couldn't he? If yeah. he gets to a team where he's getting uh, good, say he's getting good service at Bournemouth. But if he gets to you know a team a little bit higher up, then I could see him scoring a number of goals because he's he's very consistent, clever movement, underrated the way he moves uh, to, to get opportunities and. Um, a player that we both really like and this partnership with, with Ryan Fraser has been sensational this year. The next four were all mutual picks. Andre Gomez for Everton at 37, Felipe Anderson at 36, Marcus Rashford at 35 and Luka Milivojevic at 34. Um, what do you think about those players? Like Felipe Anderson, a player that I know yeah. we both like a lot. Yeah, I love him. I think he's a, a very good football player. Now, can he take his game on to the next level? Can he show a bit more consistency and, and keep delivering? Because if he does that again at West time they're going to struggle to keep a hold of him because he'll be on the, the radar of, of the top four top six uh, teams uh, Gomez great signing can they hold on to him yeah. he is very important you talked about Idrissa Ganagay I'm with you with that one KG but can they keep on to this guy Gomez because he just compliments Ganagay really well Ganagay breaks it up and starts it simple and then you have the, the kind of um panache of an Andre Gomez a, a, a style uh, to his play and a, a powerful player as well I like him a lot Rashford has to be there as well yeah Rashford inconsistent but yeah in the biggest days for Manchester United Potential. was was able was, was there shining anybody who can score penalties at a rate of over 90% is a big fan of him. I'm a big fan of him because Luka Milivojevic was a player he's <laughs> yeah. been playing every single minute of, of yeah. the Premier League and um, I think he's just been absolutely magnificent and by the way a real leader yeah. for Crystal Palace that doesn't get discussed enough he's been uh, brilliant for them I think that's something I look to when I'm trying to make my list how important they are to their team Good point. obviously yeah. out with the, the, the top top three was very consistent we'll get that as we go up the list but yeah. you know Liverpool Man City Spurs uh, but then as you look down below how important what do they play what role do they play for their team Milivojevic nobody plays a more important role for their team than him he's so critical to the success of Crystal Palace talking about that Gilfie Sigurdsson one of the best players for Everton this season without question yeah. what a great season he's had I think he's got better as the season's gone on Gian Moutinho as well I think it's just been a real pleasure to watch him play in the Premier League I know Wolf fans everywhere just love him yeah. you know and never would have dreamed to have a player of the panache and the quality and uh, a 
of, of Jean Moutinho. And Ryan Fraser, again, another theme here, a player that's linked to big clubs uh, as well. So that is our list through 31. Okay, next 10. Uh, we start with Tottenham defender Jan Vertonghen is 30th. Uh, 29th, Diego Jota. 28th, Jamie Vardy. 27th, David Silva. 26th, Everton left-back Lucas Luca Digne. 25, Paul Pogba. 24th, Raul Jimenez. 23rd, James Milner. 22nd, Ilkay Gundogan. And 21st, Gigi Vinaldum. Now we're really yes. getting into this now. You know, Any as different this, ones? As this list comes along, we're going to really talk about... Um, the difference in our voting because these players are all on our lists now. Um, Jan Vertonghen is a player I wanted to ask you about because yeah. you had him a lot higher than I yeah. did. And, and I mean, a lot higher. So let's get into that. I think I had him about 45th and you had him around 23rd. Yeah. But I yeah. know every week watching games with you, um, the admiration you have for him. He's an outstanding player. He, he's turned into a real quality defender as well as what he always was, was a, a very good passer. And I think a real leader for that team, someone they miss sorely when he's not in the team. Mm. Nothing against Davison Sanchez or Jan Forth, but they're not the same team when Vertonghen doesn't play uh, with his partner Alderweireld. But Vertonghen has been brilliant. He can step forward with the ball, and um, I had him pretty high. KG, I think that he's again critical to his club, Tottenham Hotspur. No, I agree with that. Jota has been so much fun to watch, oh, hasn't yeah. he? You know, Vardy with all his away goals, and I think he's really come on this season as well. He deserves that spot. I think you had him quite a lot higher than you. Talking of which, I had David Silver a lot higher than you did as well. Big discrepancy there. Yeah. Although, I mean, that just comes down sometimes. In down to just how you, how we read the game or whatever and consistency of David Silva. I think I had him 16th and maybe you 45th. So yeah, big I'm trying dif- to find him. Big yeah, difference I him. there. I don't think he had his, his best season. I can see that. Uh, you know, 45th, maybe a little bit low, but I don't think he had his best season. And I just thought there was times where he, he looked as... Um, as sort of leggy as, as I've seen him in years mm. and I, I, that's why I had him so low but uh, one of my favourite players of all time yeah when we watch him play it just yeah. goes to another level um, Dinia's been great for Everton he deserves his spot if it wasn't for Robertson he's probably the best left back yeah. in the Premier League Pogba always a controversial pick we were, one of us had him 27th one of us had him 31st so we thought pretty similar yeah. when he was re- when he was on he was really on he was named in the PFA player of the year by the team of the year as well um, Raul Jimenez what a player what a signing yeah. 30 million and He's going to be sticking around for some time. And James Milner, 23rd, just as the old man says, just keeps going on. Huh? It's what, amazing. It's amazing it? that James Milner is 23rd in the list. And I know. What, what, I mean, I think we're so both consistent. very similar in terms of where we put him as well. So amazing. Yeah, brilliant. So yeah. consistent, KJ. You just know what you're going to get. He, he, he's such a... a a leader in that team he's got so much industry in the middle of the park he, he can play left back he can float into other areas he's just the guy you can start him you can bring him off the bench you can sit him there the whole time what you see is what you get with that guy so much admiration ex-teammate of mine Great fella and a brilliant player. Before we get to the next 10, Ilkay Gundogan, 22nd, and Gigi Vijnaldum, 21. Very similar. In fact, Gundogan and Vijnaldum have excelled in different positions and they can ask them to put all, you know, the consistent level that they've reached for their teams all season long is absolutely remarkable. Gundogan actually liked it when Fernandinho was out and he stepped into that role. He brought him a little bit more quality and obviously Fernandinho is difficult to replace, uh, but both of them have been exceptional. Yeah, I'm kind of glad they're next to each other because they're so similar, right. aren't they? Yeah. They're just out-and-out football players. 
play five aside, play 11 aside, play right side of the midfield, play the deep midfield, play as an attacking. Good thing played as a false number nine before when Aldum did it as well recently yeah, exactly. as well, didn't Barcelona, he? So, yeah. Just wonderful players, both of them. And, um, and again, really important. City have got a little bit of a battle to keep Gundogan. They'll need to keep him because he's he's a brilliant football player. And when Aldum's took his game on to another level this season. Talking of players similar and being fitting next to each other, number 20 is Fabinho. So that kind of works Fabinho, out well. Yeah. 19th, Trent Alexander-Arnold. 18th, N'Golo Kante. Uh, 17th, Christian Eriksen. 16th, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. 15th, Sun Young-Min. 14th, his teammate, Toby Alderweireld. 13th, Alexander Lacazette. 12th, Roberto Firmino. And 11th, Alison Becker. So a lot of <laughs> good choices there as we get down to yeah. the last 10. And again, a lot of consistency now. Now we're really at the level where we really dis- didn't disagree a lot at all on these players. Um, you know, Fabinho, uh, uh, one of the best players for Liverpool yeah. in 2019, without question, just, just grew into the season. And we had him 20th and 28th. And in the end, he finished 20th because of the voting over that. Alexander-Arnold, we talk a lot about him on this podcast. Um, Conte has been... Not the, quite the level that no. maybe he wasn't a different position, but still a, a, a magnificent footballer every single time. Whatever you ask, and, and, and incredibly humble at everything he does. Yeah, I think we've saw a different. Well, we've clearly saw a different side to him because of his attack and play. But it's been interesting to watch. He's got more to his game, and so we would both agree that he's better in that deep line role. Yes, and we hope that he gets back there. But he's shown that he's got more uh, more strings to his bow. Uh, again critical to his side that's something that, a theme that was through mine throughout I think we're very close in a lot of the positions here as well in terms of where they come in the rankings Obama Yang has, uh, I had them at 17th where did he end up there um, yeah 16th yeah. yeah so you know great season from him love the partnership that he's creating with Lacazette yeah, without question. I mean, the Lacazette's involved in here as well. You know, Lacazette thirteenth. Yeah. It's yeah. Um, tremendous. That's high, isn't it? And it shows you what season he's had. Yeah, I, I agree. And 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 Son, you know, he's when he really needed to be stepping up with with Harry Kane gone, he was he was outstanding, wasn't he? Yeah, when he's good, he's just breathtaking. Yeah, uh, you know, he went from being a very good player to a world class player this season. Um, you think of the Champions League quarterfinal, especially second leg against um, Manchester City. Unbelievable efficiency and ruthlessness from Son. He was mm. it was one of the best performances I've ever seen from him. Maybe one of the best recent performances from a Spurs player. I'd say it was it was that. It was high. that good, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, you're right. And uh, talking about Spurs players, Toby Alderweireld, um, one of your personal favourites. Yeah. Yeah, one of the best centre halves in the league. Yeah, another theme here is Manchester United targets, yeah, but to exactly. me, he's a guy they have to go and get. He's just, he's so good, so consistent, um, does everything well. He's defending is is terrific, but he can step forward with the ball, play long and short passes, and uh, a great partnership with Vertonghen. He's he was pretty high on my list. I really, uh, I really think he's had a, a great season after. You know, a, a, not a great season last year through injury and Good different point. things and, and form. And so it's nice to see him back at that level. Now, often when you work 14 hour days, you can sometimes make mistakes. And as I'm going through this list, I've realized I've made a mistake. So we're all in this together. And this is actually turning out to be the top 51 players because I've just realized that there's a player I put down 10th twice. Uh, so anyway, uh, we can it's also, all right. yeah, we could, it's all, we're, we're having a lot of fun here. I had, I had down number 10, Harry Kane and Edison. Right. So it's actually, they were tied. So, and we, and, 
and, and so let's break let's break the tie because we actually had Edison higher on the list than an individual ranking for one of us. So Edison is actually higher than Kane. So we'll slot Kane in there yeah. in between there. And uh, sorry, Shawnee, we've just given you a bunch of problems with your paperwork now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we move into the top ten. Edison um, gets the nod over Allison just as the best goalkeeper yeah. for us in the Major League Soccer, uh, Major League Soccer in Premier League this season. Yeah, and what a what a player he's what been. a keeper isn't he just he's everything he's a playmaker he's uh, he makes big saves he comes for crosses he's a presence back there he's he's a the best keeper in the world for me right now. And really, yeah. I love Alison Becker as well, but he is the best keeper in the world. He just does everything really well. And, uh, very little mistakes from him as well. And to, to, to see um, such little mistakes from a, a guy who makes bold decisions all the time is remarkable. His decision-making, his consistency to, to do the right thing. But, but you know, to, to, to be coming forward for things like that is... Incredible, He's involved in every single minute. You think every you game. get it wrong now and again, eh? yeah. but no, how how often does he get it wrong? You know, and yeah, like you, like we had Fabianski there, and, and I saw some people say this year that he was their best goalkeeper. But like this guy is involved in every action yeah. on the field, every time. As it infect, it affects where the defenders stand. It affects the way that the other team plays against you. It affects everything. His distribution, yeah. he's he has completely changed the way they play the game. Yeah, you think about that big moment against Liverpool when the ball when you know Sadio Mane came through and the ball went almost over the line and yeah. he's there and his face he's out he's there you know those kind of things that make the difference sometimes that's Edison at number 10 um, number 9 Andrew Robertson Liverpool yeah. left back but the best left back in the Premier League without question and uh, for you and me Robertson I think I had him 10th and you had him 6th I believe so yeah. I'm not surprised with that obviously you rate him extremely highly as, as do I but I, I do. what a season what a season and, and that's why I had them so high when I'm thinking about um, defenders and, and what they produce um, I, I just had them really high because mm. of that reason I, I, and and I also think uh, the, the development in, in a player's game in one season and I've, I've never seen someone jump so much you know went from right. being a good left back and sort of in a bit of a battle at his own club to being one of the best left backs in the world, in my mm. opinion. Now, I'm, I, I could see him playing for nearly every team in the world. I could see him play for Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich. Like, he wouldn't be out of place. No, he wouldn't. And that's how good he is. And that's how far his came. And he's Scottish, so I had to have him <laughs> Of course. I have to get him in there. <laughs> Scott, the Scotsman is in the top 10 <laughs> unbelievable. Premier League players of the season. Think about that. Um, anyway, no disrespect to Scotland. You've got many great players over the years. Um, eighth um, is Sergio Aguero. I had him fifth. You had him 11th, but in the end, uh, the magic man again. And what we need to say about Sergio Aguero is that Gabriel Jesus is nowhere near this list. Yeah. And two seasons ago, people were writing and quite very reputable people him. saying Gabriel Jesus is taking over from Sergio Aguero and, and this is his job to lose now and Aguero's mentality and of course his talent but his mentality has won the day here yeah. he's not even he was relentless in that position keeping that role and yes he's a goal scorer one of the greatest goal scorers the Premier League has ever seen it's yeah. a privilege to watch him every single week no matter what team you watch and um, I think again an example that Guardiola got the better out of a, a, in a different level that we even saw before he came he challenged them mm. he challenged a already world class player and said I think you can be better and I think that a lot of people a lot of players with egos of these guys would have went 
who do you think you are telling me that? I'm going to hop it and go to any other club in the world. Yeah, he could have gone anywhere. Instead, he? he went, okay, I'll show you. And he took his game on to another level. And, um, and I had him at 11th. And I will admit it, I take the guy for granted. I take right. his goals for granted. He, he plays in a wonderful team and he, he, he's one of the fellas I don't think we'll ever, uh, I know you love him Cajun, you've always been consistent with that but I'm always one who sort of takes him for granted and I think I, I won't appreciate how good he's been until he goes, mm. until he's, uh, he hopefully doesn't leave our shores but when he retires or whatever, we'll realise what a player he was, does everything, left foot, right foot, header, on the edge of defenders, 30-yard goals, 20-yard goals, tap-ins. He, he does everything. An amazing striker. Amazing striker. who makes the hardest thing in the game look so easy sometimes. Um, seventh uh, is a player we both had seventh in Emmerich yeah. Laporte. We yeah. both had him at number seven. And I think there's no coincidence there, you know, for me, the second best centre-back in yeah. the Premier League and it's not close. I, yeah. um, I remember watching Laporte a lot before he came to the Premier League. You know, for those who don't know, I've got a bit of a soft spot for Athletic Bilbao <laughs> and Laporte, I always felt was a Premier yeah. I remember you and I talking about him before he yeah. came. We watched him in Europa League games and I remember actually a rare tweet that I got right the moment that he signed. I was like, this 59 million pound, this is the kind of player that no one's ever going to talk about. Steel. Costing, costing that, an absolute steal and um, a player of great elegance as yeah. well. And I love that about him. Yeah, you were ahead of it, KJ. You've been talking about this guy for years. You, you always liked him and um, when nobody even spoke about him and he, he sort of came from under the radar and then everyone was bulking at the 59 million. Nobody even says a word these nobody, days. Nobody, just Since been extended, you know, by the way, as yeah, well. extended to, what is it? 24, I think. Yeah, yeah 23. Crazy, yeah, yeah. a long time. And uh, a brilliant player, brilliant defender. Um, great passer of the ball can switch to play exactly balance exactly what Pep Guardiola needs he's, he's got everything to his game and uh, we both had, had him at 7th and um, for me he had to be extremely high because I think in a year of such great attacking football mm, great defenders have been awesome as well everything in their game we talk about goalkeepers doing everything these days these defenders have to do everything as well they have to leave loads of space in behind them they have to get in the ball they have to make angles they're, they're working more than ever they have to be able to head the ball in the certain games defend properly and uh, guys like uh, like Laporte do everything I'm excited to see him uh, go to another level because I think he's yeah. still got another level in him as well yeah. like and imagine what he could be he could be an absolute colossus um, sixth is Eden Hazard I had him fourth and I think you had him tenth I so a little yeah. yeah but I mean for me an absolute prep privilege to have him in the Premier League is going to be a big loss um, you know the way that he's contributed to Chelsea this season he's carried them in many games taking them to the Champions League um, a genuine superstar in the Premier League that does things that quite frankly nobody else in the Premier League can do yeah he's he's incredible he's exceptional and, and, and there's nobody else like him uh, that's why everyone wants him and he's, he's single-handedly led that attack of, of Chelsea's this season who knows maybe to a Europa League title and, and certainly to top four Champions League football next season and um, a great servant people will be negative about him leaving but I don't begrudge him that I think it's time for him to leave as I well I agree yeah um, it's time for him to move on and, and, and test someone else in a different league we go into the top five and a reminder um, before we 
get all the tweets that people will be having. It goes, this is the top 50 players of this season. Sorry, top 51 players <laughs> of this season, not necessarily of all time. Uh, number five, Mo Salah. Mo Salah comes fifth after coming fifth on a list and six. I'm not sure who had who, but one of us had fifth, one had six. So yeah. pretty consistent on Salah. Um, fifth. And again, everybody thought last season was going to be very difficult to match. No one knew he was, I mean, no one ever imagined he was going to get that many goals. But what a player. Again, just continues to take Liverpool to another level. Yeah, he's critical for his side. He's, uh, he's a brilliant football player and another one with just uh, outstanding mentality. Uh, just the consistency to keep going and, and, and keep driving his team forward, I think, uh, is, is very, very special. It looks like a brilliant teammate as well. Works hard. Great guy. Humble yeah. guy. Everything that you uh, you expect and that epitomises Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool. And at four, I feel like Bruno Brooks here doing the countdown on Sundays. <laughs> and at four, we have Sadio Mane. Sadio Mane comes in at four. And um, we should do the third here because this is a tie. It was a tie we had to break. At three is Bernardo Silva. Uh-huh. And we broke this tie by doing this. But Sadio Mane was ranked third on your list and he was ranked eighth on my list. Okay. Um, and Bernardo Silva was ranked. Oh, no, it wasn't a tie, actually. Bernardo Silva, Sadio Mane and Mo Salah was a tie. Here we right. go. So third and eighth and Salah was fifth and sixth. They both got 11 points. Um, but Mane was given the edge because you had him third. So yeah. a player, obviously, that you rated a, lot, a little bit higher than me to get to fourth. And Bernardo Silva was third. I had him third and you had him fourth. So you had yeah. Mane just a little bit ahead of Bernardo Silva. But really, let's be honest, they're... <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're just we're, we're pick, nitpicking, now, nitpicking aren't, we? aren't we? Yeah, we yeah. really are. Great the, seasons by both. Oh, the two of them are just brilliant at what they do. Um, I just went for Manny because of his goals and um, uh, the the improvement in both of them as well was was exceptional. I think uh, they became really really important to their team. They were obviously <laughs> important before, but um, improvement in their game. Um, to, I think to try and tell the listeners at home to see improvement at that level for it to be really noticeable is incredible Katie. yes good to, point to move up when you're a world when you're a world-class player to to, to, to be in noticeable in terms of how much you, you, you improve is is really really difficult and I, and I think with both of these guys they were already there they were already at the top and they found a little bit extra they found a little bit more of their game and that's exceptional to see. That's why they're so high for me. I'll talk quickly on Minato Silva. And for me, I was very tempted to put him in the top two. I think he's been absolutely magnificent. Carried Man City through certain games. A, a real leader on the field. I love. I talked about it on TSN last week a little bit. I love what he's like defensively as well. How he narrows angles down and reads players and really puts his body position at a point where you can't get out. Yeah. That's a really valuable part of his game as well. Um, so for me, a, a future player of the year yeah. uh, very soon. And El. Uh, Okay, after that, I'm afraid we have a tie here. We have a tie at number one. Um, This is just down to the system. We can't break it. I had Virgil van Dijk one, Raheem Sterling two, and uh, you had Raheem Sterling one, Virgil van Dijk two. So, and we can't break the tie. So we're gonna just say, you know what? They are our co-winners. Yeah, co-winners of our top fifty plus one. (laughs) Well, how do you split them? You know, one's a dominant defender. He's been everything at his club, and another guy who again is improved dramatically and, and, and became 
so consistent yes and and so good going forward it's difficult isn't it and one who won the players player of the year yeah. and one who won the football writers player of the year so yeah. they couldn't split they it either split they it, gave yeah. different trophies for them as well um, but that has been our top 50 players that was fun that was great well, it's out. well hopefully yeah. um, and you know we are taping this when we've done an incredible amount of hours work so we probably missed out on some amazing player yeah. that we just We're forgot about get the tweets tweet them in tweet them Give in we want to hear from you Give, hashtag ask AFP uh, slaughter us for picking whoever you think and whoever should be there and Ernie will have wanted more Wolves players yeah, in there you know what Ernie sorry but I had Doherty and Johnny Castro and Cody <laughs> but all like top 60 players yeah but just nearly just there nearly there yeah um, but you could make the top 51 you, know, you finished 7th you're the best promoted team <laughs> since Ipswich 01 you know you've had a good year it's all good <laughs> that concludes our Premier League review we will be right back in a second with hashtag ask AFP And we are back with the last segment of the podcast. And obviously, you know what to do at this point. It's hashtag AskAFP. Make sure you send in your questions by using the hashtag AskAFP. Sean, what do we have in the mailbag this week? So Cal asks, uh, does four English teams getting to the European finals uh, after a World Cup break put to bed that English football doesn't need a winter break? Well, it's a good question, Cal, because this coming season, there will be a little bit of a winter break. They're obviously not bringing in one as as, as large as some of the other European uh, seasons, but they are bringing one in where they're staggering it. So, so, many, so many teams will be on, not 10 teams will play, uh, 10 teams will play one week and 10 teams will play another around FA Cup times as well. So uh, it's a fascinating question. I think what it does is it it certainly will put to bed the thought of giving away three or four weeks in the winter time, um, even around that Christmas break. You know what else I think it does? I And I said a little bit of this on the TSM broadcast. I think it really solidifies the thought of the toughness in the Premier League is contagious. It's really helped these teams on the European stage. I certainly think we saw that with Liverpool against Barcelona. We're going to get to that in a second, but they reach a level of tempo and strength um, in the mind that I don't think these other teams are used to seeing. So often the complacency sets in a little bit. The, you know, Barcelona is so good in Spain this season. Bayern Munich so good. PSG, uh, Juventus, you name it. They just don't have the level of competition from the top six that they do in the Premier League. So I think that certainly helped them, um, what, you know, accomplish a monopoly on the finals this year from the English football. Yeah, speaking of the Champions League, Ryan asks, is this week of Champions League football the greatest you've ever seen? I think it is. I think the way that the way that it went about, and I put a few things out on on, on social media, and of course you get some people saying, was well, that just because it's English clubs and it's got really nothing to do with it from my point of view? I just don't evaluate games that way. Um, I just think that the way that it went about, the fact that the comebacks were just so unique and they were back in back-to-back days. I would go on and say that, you know, the Liverpool one, I was like, I can't believe we've seen that. That is one of the greatest comebacks ever. And then I think Tottenham's comeback might have been better. How did you handle it? Because, I mean, you're obviously emotionally a wreck by that point, I would imagine. But did you ever think that this was on? Because I'll tell you this, when they scored goal number two, I'm like, they're going to win this. And I got called into a meeting. I was at TSN. I got called into a meeting. They're like, oh, can you do this meeting now? I'm like, oh. So I went in to speak to my boss and I paused the, the feed with 15 minutes to go. Oh. And my phone's like, boo, boo, and I'm not looking at it. And I just go back and I sit there and watch. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And then it gets to 95th minute. I'm like, maybe they didn't pull it off. And then to watch Lucas Moro put that in, I'm sure you went crazy. It was, it was incredible. This entire floor 
was just like there's somebody like on the other side of the floor in the washroom and he's like i heard you scream from there and it was yeah like that second one went in you're feeling it and everything's going well but then ix were doing a good job they got the ball in the corner a couple times there was that call with a minute to go yeah i was like is this their last chance and uh and it was headed over the bar and you're like well there it is and then like with a couple seconds left, you're like, oh, it's on Morris. Oh my gosh. That, like <laughs> just started shaking. I don't, you, you can't even, it's, that's why the sport is so special. It's the, those moments. And it's crazy that in back to back, like champions league quarter, uh, sorry, I know quarterfinals and semifinals, you get the exact same For moment Tottenham. and it's, it's absolutely brilliant. And to think about the run they've been on their first three games in the UEFA champions league group stages, they got one point. One point in three games. They were winning at Milan, Inter, and they lost two goals in the last five minutes, obviously to, to you know, Icardi and Vizino. And then they got battered by Barcelona, conceding a goal with Lloris after the first few seconds. They had one point after three games. And now here they are in a Champions League final. I mean, you could see what it meant to Pochettino. And you're right. That's what's the beauty of the game. To bring out those kind of emotions in you is, um, I always think about these moments when they come up, you know, you get people in sports, who often referred to as we, you know, are we going to win tonight? And I have never had a problem with that. And I'll tell you why for those moments. You don't, you can't tell me that Tottenham fans that are not allowed to be enjoying that as, and call it we, the, the amount of pain that they've been through, the, the moments they've been waiting for an opportunity like that. The Liverpool fans inside the Anfield Stadium, they had a complete connection to that. They've contributed to that. If those seats are empty, Liverpool are not winning those games 4-0. Come on, yeah. say we all you want. I have no problem with that. Amen. Uh, moving on, uh, Mr. Green asks, after such a strong season from Scott Arfield in Scotland, uh, 11 goals and six assists, should he look for a bigger move or stay put where he's playing great football? I think he's going to stay. I think he signed what was at least a three-year deal when he was a free agent after Burnley. Um, He's he's beloved there. They absolutely adore him. He's perfect for that play, uh, for that team uh, who are on the, obviously the the climb again from the doldrums of, of the relegations and because of the, the, the issues in the past of the, of the last few years of, off the field. And he, he sets a winning mentality. And you know what? We're really lucky to get him in Canada because I'll tell you this, when he's not in the squad like he wasn't in, in Vancouver, there's a void missed. There's that void missed of that real leadership and winning mentality. And and that's not to say anything about the other Canadian boys. They, they're, they're learning and everything, but Arfield's the alpha male. He's the alpha male in the dressing room that brings the leadership together, the connection between the, the coaches and the players. And he does that for Canada when you know, he, he comes to a camp every now and again for 10 days. You can only imagine what he's doing on a week, a daily day basis um, at Rangers for Steven Gerrard as well. So stay where you are and keep up the great work, Scott. Uh, Peter asks, is Haka Pozuelo going to be a good strategy <laughs> for other MLS teams until Ali Curtis can bring in more attacking talent? Yes, 100%. Why not? I thought Philadelphia... Um, and I spoke about this during commentary and hopefully those who were watching with me could kind of see me build it up because that's kind of your job when you do it. The job that I did that day is to try and show people the, the patterns of play. I felt that they walked that tightrope, didn't they? They really did. They walked that between what was fair and what wasn't. And in the end, they gave away some unnecessary fouls in the first half. I think that's why Fabian was removed after an hour because for all of his qualities, he's a butcher. Um, <laughs> you know, and he was really getting to the point where he was chopping him down a lot. Plus, some of the set pieces weren't great. And in the end, the the unnecessary foul by Bedoya that led to the free kick that Pozuelo then, um, that was a beautiful goal, by the way. It oh. didn't even have much of a backlift and just kind of just looped it into the corner. Um, but you're right. I think at this point, physicality, try and stop him from what you can do. And um, 
Ali Curtis, the watch is on. I've spoken a lot to Ali on and off the camera over the last few weeks. I think that they believe that they are okay at the moment, but it's clear that TFC have become a bit predictable um, ahead of a big week coming up again. Mark asks, uh, have the Whitecaps turned the corner and do you expect Ali Adnan to stay in Vancouver for the rest of the season? I think they have shown an ability to really be difficult to break down. And I think they understood that after conceding those three goals twice in the first three games, they came out with this idea of like expansive football. Mark, we had him on our show, didn't we? He talked about that setting the stone going forward. And I think he understands that the easiest thing, the easiest thing to do at the two is to, is to make sure that you're very difficult to beat. And there's a lot of talk in, in Vancouver over the last few years about entertainment and easy on the eye and all that. Uh, for me, it's all nonsense. You got to win football games. You got to win football games. And if you are in the, if you are in the, what I would call MLS two of finance, which they are, and they're not looking like they're getting anywhere near away from that, by the way, the second half of the, the, the MLS, then in a lot of games, you've got to understand that the oppos- opposition has more game breakers than you do and have better quality players than you do so if you're looking at that opposition and you like much like Portland and you're thinking seven or eight of those players would easily get in our team you've got to be able to find a way to stop them and he's worked really hard with that in that system the three midfielders have worked really hard they've got a good shape about them and Adnan helps that but I would say this is that defensively I still think he takes risks but of course he is he's brought technical quality in the wide areas and, and you can't have players fully buying in every single time defensively in every position without having some quality going forward and he brings that I'm not sure if they're going to keep him for the rest of the season because it's going to take some financial commitment and again that comes down to his desire to stay which I think he wants to stay and the Whitecaps desire to put that money do they want to spread the allocation money somewhere else Uh, for example with a team that clearly needs um, more attacking talent Uh, speaking of defenders OG the Dim asks uh, who is a defender in MLS that you really like the style of play he Mm. brings that's a good question. I mean, trying to think. I mean, some of the defenders in in, in Major League Soccer are, are un, un. I think that they're, they're a little bit underrated. They don't get a lot of love. Like you always get the MLS Eleven come out and it's got like three defenders max, and yeah. you've got like eight forwards. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yep. Um, I'm I'm trying to think of some of the defenders that I've I've enjoyed watching. Walker Zimmerman's a really good player. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I like him a lot. Uh, I like Kai Wagner from Philadelphia. I thought he was very good on the weekend again. I think he looks like he could be a really good player in Major League Soccer going forward. It's a really good signing from Ernst Tanner. Um, there's a lot of good players defensively, you know, the way that, the way that they, they get going. I think um, Steris is pretty good for Galaxy too. He's really solid. Uh, like I said, there's a lot of good, there's, there's, you know, it's getting better defensively. I think individually in some of these areas, I still think questions team wise, you've got to look at it. Um, but that's a few, there's a few more out there. I'm trying to think of a, a few of the fullbacks. I mean, Justin Morrow is a very underrated player in major league soccer. I don't think many people talk about how good he can be, yeah. you know, in, in, in MLS. Uh, and I really like, um, Giallo from, from, from Montreal. I think he's just got the potential him and Cabrera as a partnership when they're switched on to be two of the best center backs in, in MLS. So yeah. Great. Okay, thanks, Shawnee. And there you have it, folks. Another Premier League in the books for myself, Stephen Caldwell, Sean, Clay, and everyone else. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week for another episode of a football podcast.